Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is Brad Kearns. Step one to being successful is showing up. And I think if you can just manage to show up and when you're there, work hard, good things will happen to you. I faced some adversity and it was a matter of responding. I had to look at it as an opportunity to capitalize. So I think the guys that don't pan out, other than injuries, it's a lot of just how they respond to different situations. Here's a quick thank you to our sponsors. They make this show possible and the tremendous production behind it online and in audio. Thank you, wildideabuffalo.com. Grass-fed, locally raised on the Great Plains for the last 130,000 years. Quit eating that junk food feedlot cattle and get some quality meat into your life. And thank you, DNAfit.com. Cutting-edge genetic testing, delivering customized diet and exercise recommendations for your peak performance. Use the discount code GOY30. Get over yourself. Integro Probiotics make this fabulous liquid probiotic high potency. It's called Flourish, so your microbiome can flourish. Gut health is everything. Get started. Visit EntegroHealth.com and Tribali Foods. Pre-made, creatively flavored hamburger and chicken patties. When you're in a rush, drop one down, fry it up. It's delicious. T-R-I-B-A-L-I and Almost Heaven. That's the name of my sauna. These are beautiful home-use saunas made of real wood, shipped to your door, easy to assemble, and then you are rocking. That's right, I'm going from chest freezer cold therapy into the hot barrel sauna. Check them out at almostheaven.com. And the Primal Blueprint online multimedia educational courses to go primal, go keto, get a stand-up desk going, master the challenge of endurance training, Go to bradkearns.com and click on the links to learn more about these courses. If you're sick of my voice on the podcast, you can now get sick of my face, too, on the videos. And ancestral supplements. This is grass-fed liver, organ meats, and bone marrow delivered in a convenient gelatin capsule. Don't stress about cooking liver anymore. Just pop some pills or throw capsules into a smoothie every day like me. And now on to our show. Hi, listeners. It gives me great pleasure to introduce a very interesting and impressive young man by the name of Isaac Rochelle, and he's a defensive end for the Los Angeles Chargers, second-year player coming up on his second year out of the University of Notre Dame, and I've known this guy for a while because out of the blue, he wrote this very appreciative and enthusiastic email telling us that he had gone keto and he loved our message and our primal kitchen products. And we said, hey, how about some more? So we put him on the the VIP list, man. If you're in the NFL, you get the perks. And it was just such a pleasure to engage with this guy. He was very well-spoken and polite. And I arranged for some interviews for the Keto Reset Mastery course that we offer on ketoreset.com, all about how to go keto. And it was such an amazing story about he just took his life on. He had finished his 
football career up at Notre Dame and the scouts, the evaluators, it's a very harsh process. And they came in and said, look, man, at 23% body fat, you're not going to make it in the NFL. A defensive end has to be quick and explosive. And so he's like, all right, what do I do? And he went into the ketogenic diet with his trainer down at one of these performance institutes that they put the players in before the NFL combine. And he just had a such a focused and disciplined approach. He got this excess body fat off. He was primed for the draft. He got picked in the seventh round and he was on his way to an NFL career. And you'll hear some very interesting and amazing insights in this interview. I can't believe looking back when I was a young athlete and, you know, something would go wrong, you'd have a misfortune, you'd get your butt kicked in a race. And our tendency, especially in the athletic world, is to have that those protective mechanisms of the ego where you go and blame someone else like the race organizer didn't have good signs up. And so I got lost and that cost me my, my prize check or, oh, these guys cheated on the bike ride they drafted and that's why I was so far behind. And boy, Isaac seems like he's already gotten figured out at a young age because he talked about uh, last year where he got cut. He got sent to the practice squad for a while. And he said, yeah, at first I was frustrated. And then I just realized it was a great chance for self-evaluation. And to me, to get into that headspace as an athlete, to have gotten over yourself already just as a young player, and to see this adversity as merely an opportunity to drill down and focus and get better. Very, very impressive. I think the Chargers have a guy who's going to be a valuable team player, a great asset in the locker room for a long time. You know, we're so used to this distorted picture of the NFL as these huge athletes smashing into each other while the fans are screaming. And there's so much more to the package of a guy like Isaac who has worked hard and gotten this far, not just because he's a great physical talent, but because he has the full package and all the pieces together, including the intelligence, because they work these guys hard, man. He had just come off an all-day session at the Chargers facility, and this is in the off-season before training camp starts, but there's always something to work on and study and be disciplined and focused, and he talks about how the ketogenic diet was really a leverage point for him to become a more focused and more in-control individual. He felt like he had more control over his life because he had control over his diet. So some really interesting insights from a young guy. I hope you enjoy the show. Go follow Isaac Rochelle, R-O-C-H-E-L-L, on Instagram. And here he is after a long day of football doings at the Charger facility, telling us all how we can get over ourselves. Um, let's just get right into it. I want to I want to just um, check in with you and, and see what life's like for an NFL football player. Now you're you're in the groove, and then you know get a little bit into your background about how you how you got to this point, uh, and um, you know cover some of the stuff that we talked about in those other videos because this is sort of a different purpose. But I like how that. Uh, you know, that, that story of how you transform your body for the NFL draft and took control of your life in the process and all that fun stuff. So we'll just see where it goes. Yeah. So first off, I'm, I'm great. Uh, we are in mini camp right now. So we just finished OTAs and then now we're in mini camp. So that's kind of, it's, it's just practices that are a little less intense. Obviously you don't have the stress of the season, which is super nice. Um, but a little bit about myself. I went to Notre Dame. Um, I'm from Georgia, so went all the way up to the cold 
and South Bend went to Notre Dame and then uh, played there for four years, had a great experience. Um, as many people know, Notre Dame has tons of tradition, which makes for an unreal football experience. Um, so I loved it. And then, like you had mentioned, uh, after my senior season, I went into training for the draft. And for me, a lot of that was me wanting to change my body composition. Um, as far as health and eating habits, I didn't really have any former knowledge. Um, in college, I was eating three pizzas a, a week, like not caring at all. Um, which if, I mean, you don't have to know anything about health to know that that's not good for you. Um, but, uh, decided I needed to change my body composition and I had a trainer in Arizona who suggested doing the ketogenic diet. Um, so I entered the, the process of changing my body composition at probably, I think it was 23% body fat, um, which is not good for a D lineman in the NFL and, uh, did the keto diet for five months. And at the end of it, I think my best body comp was 16%. Um, so a significant change. Um, and a lot of that had to do with cutting out carbs and just fueling myself with things were, that were, uh, better and not going to cause me to have excess fat. Um, and then entered the draft, ended up getting drafted in the seventh round by the Los Angeles chargers, uh, came out here. And through that, I continued doing the keto diet. Um, and went into the season, made the 53-man roster, and then after my first game, uh, essentially got fired. I was super frustrated, and I got put on the practice squad. Um, looking back now, that was a huge point in my career, uh, and I think it's helped me a lot now. But um, did practice squad for some weeks and then ended up getting activated at the end of the season um, and finished off the season right where I wanted to. But uh, through that, again, with the health, um, and eating habits, I continued doing the keto diet. And I think that also helped me through the season. Um, my body composition continued to improve during the season. And I actually was in great shape, uh, throughout the time that I was on practice squad. Like I had mentioned to you, Brad, um, after practices, I would come in and run a mile and I just felt really good. And I think a lot of that had to do with what I was putting in my body. Um, went through the off season, which was really nice. And Brad, we had talked about how important it is to take time off mentally. Um, I really did that. And now, like I said, we're in OTAs and in mini camp and, and I've transitioned kind of into more of a plant-based diet, uh, just after doing research and stuff, I think that's going to be, um, the thing that's going to reduce inflammation and, uh, fuel me the most for the season. So that's been good for me, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's that's background. Man, you're you're teeing us up. I, I got so many questions for you. It's so interesting. I guess we'll um, we'll start uh, going back to that uh, interesting time in your life where you play four years. You give your heart and soul to the Fighting Irish, and then I suppose at that time um, there are some evaluators and some things going on where um, you are a possible draft picked. I, I suppose if you're interested in continuing your football career, these are things that you start to discuss after the after the final game's over. Is that how it works? Uh, so interestingly enough, the process starts pretty much immediately after your junior season and for some immediately after your sophomore season. So you start interviewing agents, you start getting feedback from the NFL and agents at that point. Um, 
so by the end of my senior season, I already had an agent chose. I hadn't signed with an agent, but I knew who I was going to sign with. Um, and I kind of knew what was going to happen post senior season. So it's super interesting because you start talking to these people like before and during the most crucial season of your life. So it adds uh, an interesting twist and adds unnecessary uh, stress to the situation. But to answer your question, um, there's a lot of things that are done prior to the senior season. So is this new, Isaac? Uh, I mean, I, I thought in the old days that, you know, if an agent so much as looked in your direction or bought you a bagel, you were going to be ineligible. So now there's some sort of organization to the process? So they still can't buy you a bagel. Uh, can, they, can they get a house for your parents in San Diego if you're, <laughs> if you're a great running back at USC? <laughs> yeah, they cannot. They definitely cannot. Um, but you're allowed to interview them. You can talk to them as much as you want. They just can't give you anything. Um, and so I had like, I mean, I did probably 20 to 30 interviews with agents. Um, so like I said, they can't do anything for you, but they can give you their time. And what was that like? Was there a sleaze factor to a certain percentage of them? I mean, how did you get won over by the, you know, the last few that made the cut for the final decision? Yeah, I, uh, it's just through interviewing and, um, and getting to know them and, uh, you know, you, you interview people and as you go throughout the process, you learn things and you learn what you do and don't want. Um, and that kind of, that kind of helped me, but going into it, I didn't have a clue. Like I didn't know what I was looking for and what I wasn't looking for. Now, are you sitting there just as a college kid meeting these suits in the in the dorm cafeteria, or are you with your family members or certain advisors independent from the, the agent, or what's that all about? Yeah, so you're saying, what did it look like interviewing them? Yeah, are we with anybody on your behalf, like, uh, you know, parents or, uh, I don't know, one of the coaches or anything? Yeah, so initially it was just me kind of freestyling because I didn't know what I didn't know. And then as the process continued, I asked my mom to help out a lot. So she ended up conducting a lot of the interviews. And uh, I kind of took a backseat to it because it was becoming overwhelming. Um, But initially, it was like I said, I was just freestyling, just like interviewing people at Starbucks, whatever it may be. Um, And that wasn't a productive way to go about it. I would tell anybody to find somebody who's smarter than you are. Um, who has time to kind of like head the process for you. Now, were these guys uh, or, or gals, whoever the potential agents were, were they being realistic or was it sort of this wine and dine sales pitch? Like, Hey, you're going to be, you're going to be a lottery pick or whatever. How did that go? Um, it depends. Some agents try to tell you stuff that's not true and wine and dine you. Um, for me, it was the ones that were realistic and gave me like factual information. Um, those were the people that I liked, but people definitely kind of try to play the game and just feed you info. Yeah, it's such a harsh process. I don't think many of us can relate to, you know, being up there on the chopping block. I mean, in in the combine, they literally parade you on stage in your underwear so that they, um, you know, the the scouts can can take a look at uh, you, you standing on a scale and, and getting measured to get your accurate height. And then, you know, this this body fat concern. It seems like, um, you know, you, you took this thing on head on, but it was like really. Um, your, your, your 23% is not 
going to be NFL caliber and you got to do something about it. And so you, you took this challenge on head on and it, it's so interesting ha- how the process went. So, um, who, who recommended that again? Then how did it go to transform from Mr. Pizza guy in South Bend to, uh, getting really deep into the, uh, into the keto realm and, and, and carving up. And I love your Instagram. So people have to go look at Isaac Rochelle Instagram, uh, and see that before and after where it's before 280 pounds and then after 280 pounds. And it's like the transformation for a football player and envisioning how, how much that affects your, your quickness, your, your fitness and uh, what you did in, in such a short time to, you know, to elevate your draft stock. Yeah. So I had, a my trainer in Arizona, um, kind of like suggested that I do the keto diet and I didn't really know too much about it. Um, and I just kind of went with it and all my meals were planned. So I ate what he gave me. Uh, and it really panned out to be, uh, a beneficial thing to do. But like I mentioned to you last time we talked, my thing with diet that I never really realized before was if you can learn how to eat right and you can discipline your eating habits, it kind of spills over into other things in your life. Um, and you see yourself being more disciplined in other categories. Uh, so it was just cool for me to take control of what I was doing and take control of my eating. Um, and then it, I think it just taught me some discipline. Well, you're also working out extremely hard, maybe harder than you did in college because you don't have the classes. So was it difficult to, you know, wean off of the, the pizza fest and into, you know, that carb restriction, especially? No, I don't think it was just because like you said, I have more time to focus on my eating. And for me, like when I'm making a meal, I see that as a part of my job. Like I'm making something to benefit my body and my body is my job. So, uh, I kind of just, uh, see it as part of my routine and part of what I need to do to, uh, get better. Yeah, I remember you telling me something very interesting last time we talked down there in your your home base near the LA Charger facility in Orange County and how important it was to be intelligent as a professional player and the amount of cognitive demand they place on you guys with all the meetings and the memorization. And I imagine as you're preparing for the draft and it's like a make or break thing, you know, you're going to be on stage in your underwear and they're going to be checking you out in however many weeks time. Is this some place where some of these prospects and these great talents that you see in college and don't pan out, can they just not get their act together to go to that next level? Uh, I think sometimes that the, that's the case, but I think there's just so many factors. Uh, like a huge one would be like injuries. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I think the biggest thing is like, no matter what, like what your circumstances are and where you're going to get drafted, everyone's going to face some type of adversity. I think it's just a matter of how you respond. Um, like I mentioned it when I was talking about my background, I faced some adversity and it was a matter of responding. So I think the guys that don't pan out other than injuries, it's a lot of just how they respond to different situations. So tell me about the adversity, Isaac, going back into your high school days. And at the same time, uh, I'm wondering when you started to get those glimpses of that you had this amazing upside that's such a, you know, it's a one in a million shot literally for a high school footballer to make it all the way to the NFL. So how did that process go for you? Um, it, I mean, I hate saying that it just kind of happened. I think it's just, you have to, it takes working hard. It takes luck and it, it takes just like, uh, continuing to move forward. Um, 
and I think like things just have to fall in place. But for me, I had a really good uh, structure at home. My parents were really good about encouraging me. They were big on not quitting stuff. Um, and they were big about just whatever you do, make sure you work hard at it. Um, and so I think if you have that foundation, uh, like the sky's the limit, whatever, uh, whatever your potential is, you have a way better chance of meeting it if you don't stop and you don't quit and you just work hard. So that's just kind of how it happened for me. Um, and then obviously going to Notre Dame, like my mom forced me to go visit Notre Dame, which was a huge factor. And then I ended up going there. Um, and then I just played four years at Notre Dame and had fun. And like I said, worked hard. Uh, and then I went to the NFL. So it just kind of happened, but in that it takes hard work. Um, and it takes just making a decision to not stop. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find hey man how's your sexual function oh uncomfortable talking about it look we talk about our injured knees our belly fat so it's time to get focused on function i want to tell you about gains wave This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, 
We know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gainswave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit Gainswave.com Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Wow, that's fantastic because I think there's there's a level of talent out there. And when you're playing at Division One BCS, you have so much talent that we have to examine further, you know, who makes it and who doesn't. And I know the same thing was true for me in the triathlon scene where you'd see these guys that arguably had more talent than even the many of the best folks in the world, but they didn't have the whole picture together. And you're talking about keep going and, and you, you sound so breezy with your account of how you made it all the way to the NFL. But I think maybe that's a secret right there that you just never... Uh, you know, allowed that self-doubt and that those discouraging thoughts to creep into your mind, and you just you just kept going and kept kept strapping up. Yeah, I mean, someone told me like our defensive coordinator always says like step one to being successful is showing up, and I think if you can just manage to show up and when you're there, work hard, good things will happen to you. Um, I think you see a lot of guys um, that just don't. They, they start something, they get frustrated, and they quit, especially in high school. And then when they quit, they completely kill all their, uh, all their opportunity. Um, and then a lot of guys show up, but they don't work hard. So I think it takes both. I think it just takes showing up, having a good attitude, and just working hard. Um, and then good things happen. I mean, it's hard to explain. And it does sound breezy because it's, it's uh, from the back. It's, it's looking back. But uh, – that's just kind of how it happened. Uh, speaking of showing up, so you said your mom forced you to visit Notre Dame. So that wasn't on your hot list at first. Did you want to go to the Bulldogs or what was your deal uh, when that recruiting stuff was going on? No, I was going to go to Clemson, actually. Uh, I had pretty much told the coach that I, like, I'm going to Clemson. Um, and then my mom, being from Minneapolis, told me that I needed to go visit uh, Notre Dame. And I got in the car and went and then fell in love with it and... Uh, I think it's been the best decision in my life up to this point that I've made. What was special about Notre Dame that perhaps you might not have received at another school? Uh, I think the tradition, like I mentioned earlier, it's just uh, it's a unique place because um, fans, I I feel like people don't just happen to be Notre Dame fans. It's very uh, like strategic in a way, like you're Notre Dame fan for a reason, Um, Sometimes it's proximity, but there's nothing in South Bend. So it's not like there's tons of people there and tons of Notre Dame fans. People really love Notre Dame. 
and it makes for a really unique uh, game experience. So I think that that's kind of like the the thing that made it most special for me and made it uh, extremely unique. Oh my gosh, forget about South Bend. I mean, you know, I used to go to the SC Notre Dame game at the Coliseum every year when I was a kid growing up in LA, and you go to the game and half the stadium's green, and they're like, who are these people? Why are they screaming so loud for a team from Indiana? But, you know, the fan base is like all over the place. And uh, I don't know if it's the, the Irish heritage. I, I asked my friend who took me to the game, should I go over there since I'm Irish? And it's like, well, they somehow have, you know, a huge following. And I can't imagine that all those people are alumni. So you're right. It does have kind of a, a magic in the sports world. And boy, you have some definitely a rabid fan base. Yeah. I mean, I'm extremely biased, but... Uh <laughs> like Notre that. Dame fans, it's crazy because, like I said, like these people love Notre Dame and they will die by Notre Dame. Um, and so for us, like as players, and you don't realize it until you leave how special it was because you start to see fans in the NFL and on, in other places aren't as unique as Notre Dame fans. And we weren't always the loudest stadium. Um, and it wasn't always the craziest game day experience, but there was something special about playing in a stadium. Uh, so I don't want to distract you right now, man, because I know you're you're all in with the athletic experience. But I wonder, you know, with this strong alumni base and the loyalty of that Notre Dame community, are you thinking beyond your athletic career and perhaps leveraging, you know, your time there and your high profile as an athlete into some type of career opportunity through, you know, through the connections and through the community? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course. I, for me, <laughs> Listen to this guy. Oh my me, gosh. Uh, yeah. You... It's always leverage everything. And it's the NFL is such a short window. So for me, it's, it's connect with as many people as I can, um, try to further my education because the NFL pays for it. Um, and then try to influence people. So it's not just, uh, it's not just helping me. It's what can I do for other people too? But I think the biggest thing for any NFL player to understand or anybody really anywhere, um, the window is short and a lot of things. So it's just a matter of taking advantage of, uh, whatever influence you have or whatever status you have, uh, when you can. So speaking of that, when this draft, uh, thing comes up and the stakes are so high and it's basically a do or die operation to get that body fat down and perform well in the combine, did you leave school abruptly and head down to Arizona to immerse full time? And how did that affect your, your, uh, track to graduate and so forth? Yeah. Well, I was graduated before I left, uh, I don't think my mom would have let me leave, but, uh, my thing was I wasn't going to go all the way up to cold South Bend and not leave with a degree. Uh, so I, I left December 14th and I finished my last exam December 11th. So it was, uh, it was a quick turnaround. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have left that fast, but, uh, it was a learning experience. Um, but to answer your question, I had my degree and I left as soon as I got it. So we hear this about Notre Dame. I know you said you're extremely biased, but there seems to be a vastly more emphasis placed on academics. I know that the admission process is no guarantee for a football player because we had a superstar player, five-star recruit here in California from my son's high school, and he originally signed with Notre Dame, and there was some glitches in the process, and it was no funny business where um, this guy you know, had to alter his destiny because of the 
apparently the admissions office getting involved and saying, oh, no, we don't just let football players in here. They got to they got to earn it and get all their credits right and all that. Is this is this the legit real deal? And if you answer yes, what's it like when you get there and go into this football program, which is so time consuming? How do they support you uh, with with resources on campus? Uh, So it's not I mean, obviously, it's not the same exact standards, um, but there's still a higher standard uh, for an athlete to get into Notre Dame than there would be at another school. Um, and then when you get there, they give you the resources and they give you the opportunity to get tutors and get help. Um, but it's kind of it. You get out of it what you put in it. So if you don't need a tutor, you don't want a tutor, they're not going to make you get a tutor. Uh, and if you need a tutor and you don't get one, you're not going to have one. Um, so they give you the, the resources and information, and it's kind of on you to take advantage of it. So now you're fully into the NFL lifestyle, and I just wonder, along with most of the listeners, what it's like. Because all we see is when we turn on the TV and watch the game, or I guess now we see the, the HBO series of the players in training camp, so we have a much better sense than, than ever before. But what is day-to-day life like? And here we are in deep into the off-season, but you're very busy with the, uh, the mini camps and the OTA. So take us around the calendar of how, how, the, how the year looks for you as, a, as an NFL player. Yeah, so... We'll just start in January. January, if you're not in playoffs, you're off from January to uh, April, which is very nice because you don't have anything to do. Um, And obviously, you can just focus on your body and focus on getting better uh, without the pressure of a season. And then now we're in uh, the phase where it's OTAs and minicamp and days uh, like OTA days are you get there in the morning, you have a special teams meeting. Um, you have meetings up until about 10 o'clock, uh, then you practice and usually you're leaving the facility at about one thirty. and then after practice, there's meetings too. Um, and that's pretty much the same schedule for mini camp. And then we'll go into a phase for six weeks where we don't have anything, which is mid June through all of July. Uh, and then training camp starts in August. And then once that starts, you're pretty much full go, um, until January again. And you talk about that off-season where you're focusing on your personal development as a player, getting with your trainers and all that. Is that pretty much routine standard or some guys focusing on uh, their ski boat or their trips to Europe? You know, everybody does different things. Um, And I don't – I'm pleased with what I did in the off-season this year. It might look completely different last year. I think it's kind of what you need. Uh, mentally and physically. I think some guys mentally need time to not do anything, not think about football and go focus on their boat. Um, Some guys start training two weeks after the season and they don't stop until the season's over the next year. So I think it just kind of depends person to person. Um, For me, I focus a lot on doing yoga and stretching. And then obviously, like I've mentioned, my my eating and just uh, improving my body composition some more. Wow, that's an interesting answer, and it reminds me of this uh, amazing quote I got from Julio Jones talking to Sports Illustrated, and they were asking him about his off-season eating and training regimen, and he said, I don't do anything, man, because I'm beat up so much during the season that I just need to rest my mind and my body, and I looked at it and I thought, you know what, this guy might be uh, the trendsetter for the future. 
And I, I personally believe that even at the highest level of professional athletics, there's a huge danger of overtraining and generally overstimulating not just the body but the brain to the extent that you know we forget about downtime. And we know the coaches are working their famous 18-hour days and sleeping on the couch in their office. And it's, it's possible that we might swing back into that balance where players are taking the off-season to do things like yoga. I mean, is this sort of stuff catching on? Yeah, I definitely think yoga and things like that are. But once again, Brad, I think it's completely person-to-person. Um, like for me, I could never take four months off and not do anything. That would stress me out more than working out every day would. So I think it just really depends on the person and their personality. Yeah, the exact quote from Joan says, I don't have an off-season workout regimen. I don't lift weights. I don't run. I don't do anything. I let my body rest. But here's the punchline. I just eat good. I actually eat great. Yeah. I mean, if that's what he can do, I wish I could do that. But I wasn't blessed with those genes, so I have to keep uh, grinding. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's kind of your profile. I, I was reading up on your your scouting reports where they're you know talking about every little element of your potential in the NFL, and they you know you're highly lauded as as a hard worker and a, an agreeable guy. So I guess you, um, you you feel that out and perhaps evolve your approach over time. There's a lot of research now that the older athletes can get away with less training because they require longer recovery time, and they they do better with kind of just dialing things down but i guess now you're a young guy and you can you can manage that workload and what are you working on this off season like what's your areas that you want to improve upon oh i think it's just mobility stretching 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 um a huge focus like i said on doing yoga um and just feeling good like i want to go into the season and feel good um when i go on the field and i warm up i want to feel uh, fluid and feel like I can do the things that my body uh, should be able to do. Um, and that's something that I haven't worked on in the past. And it helped me from January to April. It helped me with OTAs and in mini camps. So I, I'm trying to make another leap um, in July and it'll help me in training camp. So actually stretching, like what kind of stretching protocol? Are we talking about dynamic stretching or traditional sit on the ground and, and touch your toes or what? Yeah. So for me, um, it, it looks like yoga, like a lot of yoga. And then um, like right now when I'm in a phase where I'm practicing, I'll practice, come home, eat lunch, relax. And then I go to the gym and roll out. Like I'll roll out and stretch for 45 minutes uh, to an hour and then get in the steam room and relax my muscles and then go to sleep. So um, it really just depends on the phase that I'm in. Uh, if I don't have any practices, then I'm doing yoga. Um, three to four times a week. If I'm practicing, I'm just going to roll out and stretch at night for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, so it just depends. How much emphasis on the old school uh, living, lifting that heavy bench press and, and throwing around the big iron? You're saying, what, it, what do I think about that? Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I think there's a time and a place for it. I think it's just important to have a foundation. And then once you have a foundation, it's about um, developing what you already have. So some guys need to get to that point where they're, like you said, throwing around a lot of weight. And some guys can already throw around a lot of weight, so they don't need to just continue to, continue to beat up their muscles and body 
Um, they need to focus on mobility and feeling good. So when you go into camp and you're with the Chargers official staff at the training facility, is there a smooth integration to the stuff that you really like to do on your own or with your own hand-picked trainers? Is that ever a conflict? Uh, I think the Chargers do. I can't speak for everybody, but the Chargers do a good job of allowing guys to integrate their personal uh, like their personal things that they have going on with the team. Um, Coach Lynn is really open to learning about different methods and other people that are good at what they do. But uh, I don't know how it is at other teams, though, but the Chargers do a really good job of allowing guys to bring in kind of their own uh, their own people. Uh, you mean bring them into the facility or just you know, know that you like to do more yoga than the next guy and so they kind of support that goal? So both. I mean, if you have something that you think is cutting edge and that will help the team and you present it to the to our our staff uh they'll look into it they're not going to shut down any idea especially if it could help the team well that's cool isaac i wonder if that's across the board because it sounds really uh novel i mean so if you brought in a bunch of primal kitchen salad dressing and said hey guys try this at lunch they, they might go for it i don't know the nutritionists are a little old school <laughs> uh it just oh it, really yeah it just depends on uh on who you're talking to but our our uh like our staff that deals with your body and like recovery and all that, they're really uh, open-minded. Okay. So we have a picture of what life is like. The team owns you for uh, those six months from when training camp starts to the, uh, the end of the playoffs or the end of the season. Um, What's it like off the field as a young guy, you're in the NFL, you're down there in the OC, hanging out by the beach and uh, living the dream in, in many people's uh, estimation. Are you recognized over at Whole Foods or, or, you know, riding your cruiser bike on the beach or what's it like down there? It's nice. I mean, I love being in OC. I live in Huntington Beach and it's it's a nice spot to live. Um, but it just depends. Like you go some places and they know you. You go to some places, they don't. Some places are just like, you're huge. I know you do something. Uh, It just depends on where you go. But because we're not in L.A., um, I think a lot of the people that would know us are up there. They're not around us. So uh, it just depends, though. But I love I'm living near the beach and being in California has been unreal. Uh, And I guess the Chargers are moving over to their uh, new stadium uh, some point soon in L.A., right? Yeah, so I think it's supposed to be done uh, in 2020. And where do you go in the off season? Do you go back to a home base, or are you pretty much settled there in Southern Cal? So I'll travel a little bit, for instance, in these in these six weeks, but I'll be here for uh, the majority of the time because I like I'm a big routine guy. I like to be in my routine before camp starts. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. So you talked about last year, your rookie year. You're drafted in the seventh round. Uh, there's no guarantee that you're going to make this 53-man roster. In fact, uh, a lot of draft picks just don't catch on. So you made that first uh, incredible cut to the to the roster. Um, how was that? And then what was it like to to get that practice squad notice after the first game? Uh, it was well. Initially, it was really exciting, and then after the first week, I was really frustrated. But um, it was really important for my growth. And like I'd met, I've mentioned earlier in uh, our conversation, the adversity piece, um, like that was some adversity. And I was, like I said, I came to the facility every day frustrated, not with the staff, but with myself. Um, 
and I just challenged myself and it ended up working out in my favor. But, um, I think it was important because up, up to that point in my career, I had never really been challenged. Like at Notre Dame, I was a captain my senior year. I started for three years in high school. I started like pretty much the whole time. Um, and so I think for me, it was a wake up call, like not everything in your football career and in life is just going to be given to you. Uh, so it was cool. It, looking back now, it seems like, wow, that was really cool. That was a learning experience during it. I was really frustrated, but, um, definitely thankful for it. Did you feel that it was inequitable? Like they didn't see your skills or weren't given a chance to perform or did you like screw up in the first game and they, they, uh, they yanked you out of the scene or how did that go down? No, it was a numbers thing. I had a good first game, um, and it's we just had too many D linemen. And uh, my, I mean, I'm super, uh, I'm super strict with myself though in areas like this. Like even if I did think that they were mistreating me or shortchanging me, like if I'm in that position, I have to self evaluate no matter what. So regardless of what they were thinking, I had to look at it as an opportunity to capitalize. And that's what I did. But I don't think they were shortchanging me or treating me unfairly. I think I think I needed to get better. Um, so I have no problem with their decision. I was just frustrated with myself. So the frustration, did it come from that maybe you didn't work quite as hard as you possibly could have or something where you slipped uh, and you knowingly self-evaluate and reflect? Hey, ladies. You may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gainswave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gainswave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits... You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhanced pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. 
I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near infrared light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for B-Rad podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Uh, I don't know that it's ever been a work ethic issue. I think it's just more of focusing on different areas and changing my attitude and i don't i don't think i ever came in the facility and i was arrogant or, or pretentious or anything like that i think but i do think uh i mean that's like a humbling experience to essentially get fired um so i don't know i mean i it i yeah i don't know it's it's hard to it's hard to give it a label um i just kind of had to like self-evaluate and figure out what needed to change and so you're there you're part of the entire process but you're not suiting up for the games for this period of time that you're on the practice squad and does that change every week can you be called upon at any time yeah so you're always ready um and it it's it's week to week in the nfl it's like and it's like team to team. So you could get cut from one team and get picked up by the next team and be playing the next Sunday for a different team. Um, 
So it's really fluid. Uh, but on the practice squad, you're a property of the Chargers, so you're not going to be leaving. You're just waiting for that opportunity to get called up for to, to uniform for the, the weekend game. No. So essentially, you are a paid free agent when you are on practice squad. Oh. So you are... I'm, I'm like... Uh, I'm open for everybody to pick me up. I just didn't end up getting picked up. And like, once again, that's a numbers thing on all team. Um, but it ended up working out. I mean, I, I didn't want to leave the chargers. I like the organization and I like the coaches. Right. So I guess is your agent kind of, uh, working it a little bit, just looking for opportunities if they present themselves while you're, while you're in that limbo status. Uh, every agent does it different, but I think at the end of the day, it's just a matter of the player showing up at practice, working hard, um, and just doing what they can do to be ready. So the coaches are seeing this, obviously, and you're hanging on the practice squad with a, a big smile and the work ethic going through the season. And then what happened towards the end? You got called up? Yeah, and then I ended up playing the last four games. Uh, I was inactive for one of the four. And then the first game that I actually like played, I got a sack, which was super cool. Um and yeah, it was just a cool ending to the season. Giving you a nice boost coming into your second year. Yeah, I mean, it's it was the timing was perfect with it. But uh, like all things, it just restarts. It's, it's like it's a new day. The next day after that was a new day. I had to restart and just get back to the grind. Um, and it's a new year. Last year for me was a learning experience, but it's over. Um, and it's it's in my mind insignificant. What's significant and important is just uh, the next seven months. So it's kind of just like, all right, let's restart. Um, yeah, I gotta say, man, for, for a young guy to have this type of perspective, to know that you have to self evaluate when you have these, these frustrations and these, um, things that you, you know, you didn't plan on. It's, it's a very rare quality. And I think especially in this day and age where, um, I don't know what to call it. People call it the entitlement generation. And these kids are like leaving a job every 11 months because they see a better opportunity. And then they're blaming, uh, you know, left, right and upside down when things don't go their way, they have a story to tell. And it seems like you did the exact opposite on these occasions when you did uh, experience adversity. And I would call that, you know, emerging from your senior season as the captain of the Notre Dame football team. And then someone calls you in, whether it was the trainer and saying, dude, at 23, you're not going to get drafted 23%. We got to take care of this issue. And then you plunge right into it and just, you know, go forward and, and have that belief in yourself and that focus and dedication. Like, like who taught you that, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it just goes back to the foundation that I talked about, like, don't quit and work hard. So like you face the adversity, I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to keep grinding. I'm going to show up every every day. And when I'm there, I'm going to work hard. Uh, And like I said, good things happen. And so you just, I just lean on that, but I appreciate you saying that. I imagine your teammates, uh, especially the veterans, uh, take notice of this and you're probably, uh, you know, highly respected, uh, for, for these reasons, especially, um, probably you're seeing some of these folks coming in from NCAA stardom and showing up in the locker room like they, like they already own it. Uh, so it was probably a breath of fresh air in the locker room, a positive energy in there. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope so. But uh, regardless, it's like the same thing, though. I mean, whatever they think is their opinion, um, it's just the same old, same old. I just got to show up. But uh, I think I think it is nice. I think it uh, it gives people a transparent view of who you are if you're 
showing up with a good attitude and you're working hard. Um, and I think that's the most important thing for people to be able to just understand who you are as opposed to coming in with maybe a chip on your shoulder and being a little bit more arrogant. It almost puts up a wall. Uh, but, yeah, it's been interesting with my teammates. I have really good teammates, though. Yeah, I guess when you come across that type of athlete, especially it's likely that they're hiding the insecurity behind the arrogance unless they truly are, you know, I mean, maybe if Tom Brady's strutting around arrogant after his sixth Super Bowl ring, you can go, okay, well, whatever. But in, in most cases, you're probably talking about an incomplete individual rather than a guy who's, you know, who's the, uh, the top of the heat. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, it just varies person to person, but in general for the Chargers, we have some pretty humble guys. Uh, like I said, they're good dudes. So I've been happy with with my experience with my teammates. So let's go back a little bit. I want to ask you some questions about the NCAA experience. And there's so much controversy these days about the proper way to uh, address this incredible inequity whereby um, the universities are making tens and hundreds of millions off of the great efforts of the student-athletes. And yes, the student-athletes are getting uh, a free education, but I wonder what your perspective is and if you have any uh, comments, potential solutions to um, to address this issue that's only getting bigger and bigger as the, the deals come in and the, you sign, you know, UCLA signed a $250 million deal, I believe, with Under Armour to outfit the athletes in all the sports and whoo it's it's getting to be high stakes yeah uh i don't know i mean i'm not i'm not in that that sphere so i don't have the perfect solution but if i had to give a solution i think every player should have one i don't think any player should get penalized for using their likeness two i don't think i think every player should have a base pay that could be a thousand dollars that could be ten thousand dollars doesn't really matter. I think there should be a set standard where if you are playing, you are going to get X amount of dollars. And then I also, which they kind of have with cost of attendance, but, and then I also think that you should have a player performance where, uh, the amount that you play, you will have an equivalent pay for that. Um, and at every school that'll look different. But I think if you're on the field and you are contributing to selling out stadiums and, uh, contributing to the game experience, you should be getting some type of pay. But that's my opinion. That's my, like, just thinking about it on my own. Uh, I don't know, though. It's a tough It's a tough situation. I don't think there's a perfect answer. Dude, that's so amazing because your solution is almost identical to what I propose. And I've, I've thought about it a lot. And it, it, it kind of addresses all the potential uh, detractors, you know, the, the, the criticism of, of uh, what you propose. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, speaking as a former NCAA Division One cross-country runner, I don't think we were bringing much revenue into the UC Santa Barbara coffers. But then you have a whole different category of athlete who's playing in a revenue sport. So we can focus on them to begin with and everyone else, you know, they're getting a, an education. Uh, all that stuff is a, a nice fair trade for the water polo player, players and the women's soccer players. But when we talk about filling the stadium, then you have this issue. And I, I like how you mentioned that that there shouldn't be any penalty for uh, 
exploiting your own name and likeness. So if you're good enough in college to uh, do a deal with, you know, Sprite and get yourself on a billboard in South Bend, you should be able to pocket that money. And it seems preposterous from the, the old time rules of the NCAA, but I don't see a downside because if you're not good enough or you're the third string uh, person on, you know, uh, uh, the third string safety, um, you're not going to get a Sprite deal. You're not going to be on the billboard and there's no, there's no problem in any direction. But it seems like a cool solution to have that pay for play. Excuse me, um, going, did I say that backwards? It's, it's play for pay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think they should, they should open it up a little bit. I mean, dudes are, and it's kind of a joke where guys will say, like, I can't eat at night. Like, there are guys in college who cannot, like, they don't have money to go eat meals and stuff at night. Like, it shouldn't be the way it is, but unfortunately it is, and I think it should definitely change. Love the solution. Let's let's uh, hold our breath and see if the NCAA were come come around with the pressure right now. It's so disturbing. I mean, the, uh, the Josh Rosen, the UCLA quarterback, that was a first round draft pick. He got highly criticized for bothering to you know offer up an opinion that maybe there was some exploitation going on uh, with the, with the college athletes, and everybody thought he was a crybaby and he should just enjoy his free education. But then when you're cruising around LA. And you see the city bus go by, and it's his name and likeness, number two, smiling at you with a big Under Armour poster. Then you start to realize the incredible inequity involved uh, with you know with the, the leading athletes in the revenue sports. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think there's a clear issue. I mean, I think it's, it could not be any more evident that t or schools are exploiting players. But I think more importantly. If the rule doesn't change, which it probably will not, I think it's more important for the players to understand that they are being slighted and to not just casually go about getting an education. Like if I'm only getting, quote unquote, paid a piece of paper, then I'm going to make that the best possible piece of paper I can make it. So I think it's a double edged sword where players need to understand that they are being exploited but don't allow the school to exploit you. You exploit the school and you get the best education you can. And you challenge your coaches to let you take different classes and you challenge the uh, university to do things different. But it's a shame that players go to these schools and let coaches and uh, staff, and I'm not speaking for Notre Dame because our staff was not like this, but they're letting people influence them to downgrade their educational experience at schools for football and they're not getting paid so it's it's kind of interesting because like i said it is the school's issue and it is the ncaa's issue but players need to not shortchange themselves let's not have self-inflicted wounds when we already have issues with, with the ncaa <laughs> that's well said man i could imagine you know some kid coming in there and the coach says, hey, if, if you want to start next year, it would be really great to see you at the, the 8 a.m. strength training sessions all, all winter, or whatever they're uh, putting in their head that, you know, deters them from having a, a well-rounded student-athlete experience. So good advice, man. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Isaac, before you go, I want to pick up a little more emphasis on that comment you made about how keto uh, sort of allowed you to leverage 
into other areas of life with that improved focus and discipline and, and especially the word control that you used because you, you know, you describe a lifestyle here as an athlete where, you know, the team basically owns you and it's obviously you're well compensated and all that great stuff, but it is a lifestyle with minimal freedom uh, in comparison to, let's say, your peers from Notre Dame who have graduated, are working 40 hours a week, and the rest of the time they're doing whatever they want to do on their jet ski. So tell us about how how that dietary transformation, uh, you know, m- became a bigger thing than just uh, choosing different meals. Yeah, so I think it's it's kind of a two part response. I think the first one is, like you said, um, we a lot of our schedules and a lot of the stuff we do is determined by the organization. Like today, I just got home. I've been doing stuff all day at the facility, which is fine because I love my job. But like we have little control in our scheduling. So for me, it's really, uh, it's really profound to have control of my diet because it gives me, it gives me a sense of confidence when I'm going about, uh, like my NFL experience. Cause it's like, I don't control my schedule. I don't necessarily control the lifting that I do while I'm there. I don't control the practice, uh, structure and how my body's taken care of from that perspective, which the Chargers do a good job of. But if nothing else, I can control my eating. Um, I'm not going to fuel myself with stuff that's going to cause inflammation. I'm not going to fuel myself that's going to increase my body fat and slow me down. Um, And I'm not going to fuel myself with sugars, which is uh, just not good for you from any bodily perspective. Um, And then on the other side, it's like, all right, um, in anything in life, it's very important to have control because there's so many things that go on in life that you can't control. Uh, and stuff that you don't even know that you can't control because you don't know it exists or it's going on. So it's like, let me control my eating and let me uh, be disciplined in that way. And let me let that spill over and have control over other things and uh, have discipline in other areas. So I just think it's super important to have confidence that you have control of your eating. Like I, this is mine. I'm taking this um, and I'm going to positively affect my body. Uh, I just think there's a lot that goes into mental health um, from a food perspective. So I don't know. It's just been really profound in my life to be able to just like, all right, this is what I'm doing. I know it gives me, it gives me good results. Uh, and I completely control this. Oh, I love that. That's very powerful. Um, it sounds like you're on this, um, your, your top priority, you mentioned it a couple times was that, uh, anti-inflammatory aspect of the diet. So, um, what, what are the foods that are working for you and what are the ones that you mostly stay away from to achieve that goal and improve your recovery from uh, stressful training? So right now or previously? Yeah. Like what's your, what's your latest? Yeah. So lately, like I said, I've been doing a lot of plant-based, uh, eating. So I still do fish and I still do eggs. Um, because I just like eggs are just a super easy solution to breakfast. Um, fish is just, I just like fish and it's not, <clears throat> it's not as bad for you as some of the other meats. And, uh, for me, it's been, let me, it, it started with, let me cut out dairy for sure, because th- I think that causes inflammation. I'm not a scientist. I've just done my little bit of research <clears throat> and then sugar for sure causes inflammation. Um, and there's tons of research on that. Uh, so those two things I've cut out 
specifically. And then it just turned into like, well, if I'm not doing dairy, I might as well try to cut out red meat. And then it's like, all right, well, if I'm not eating red meat, I might as well cut out chicken. Um, so we'll see what happens. But from what I've done in the last month or so, plant-based has given me a lot of, and I, it's not completely plant-based, but my version of plant-based has given me a lot of energy. Um, I felt really good. And from what I've noticed, my inflammation has gone down. I also have some autoimmune issues, uh, that deal with inflammation. And so a lot of this was a lot of, that was kind of a catalyst to going, uh, dairy free, sugar free, and now more plant-based. Clean eating, Isaac Rochelle, San LA Chargers. Thank you so much for spending the time, man. It's great to catch up with you. Love your attitude. So incredible. Watch out for number 98. He's going to sack at any moment. I, I wish you the best in your, your second season with the Chargers. Follow this guy on Instagram. He's got some great stuff and just, uh, just a pleasure. So keep up the good work. Thanks for spending the time with us, Isaac. Brad, anytime. Let's talk about Tribali Foods. If you're super busy and you want a convenient meal to make in a short time, but you don't want to compromise great taste, gosh, doesn't that sound like a commercial? (laughs) It is a commercial, but it's for something super awesome. And these are frozen organic beef and chicken patties and sliders with awesome creative flavors like Mediterranean, chipotle, umami with the mushroom mixed in, and also these sliders, chicken apple and pork sage. What you do is you take this frozen box, cut with the scissors, the beautiful little pre-made patty, drop it on the pan, cook it up, and it's ready in a few minutes. And this company is a real, live, authentic, girl power, entrepreneur, small business success story, home kitchen inspired. Welcome everyone to the new world where the big multinational beasts that make garbage food are getting knocked off by people who care about what they eat and about their health. And Trebelli was started by my friend Angela Mavridis in Southern California, lifelong family restaurant business member. She was a vegetarian for 35 years, and one day she had a steak, felt great, and started on this path of experimenting with creative ground beef recipes and flavorings in her kitchen. All her friends loved it. She was buying tons of ground meat from Whole Foods, and they're like, hey, what are you doing with this? So she brought them in a little sample. They loved it. They flew her to Texas to meet with the national buyer, and they said, literally, start a business, and we will place a large order. So this is a wonderful small business success story with love and attention to everything that goes into this product. Delicious, totally keto-friendly. Go look at the pork mini sliders. We're talking one gram of carbs, 11 grams of protein, 17 grams of fat, and you get 15% off. Just visit tribalifoods.com, T-R-I-B-A-L-I, and enter Get Over Yourself in the coupon field and you are good to go. Ship directly to your door, cold packed, frozen stuff, thawed out in a day, and you have quick dinner, quick lunch. And also available at finer stores like Whole Foods, Whole Dudes, Nugget, Natural Grocers, Super Targets, and launching into Walmart as well. Good job, go girl. Trebellifoods.com. Let's talk about probiotics from Integro Health. Do you want me to sing the messages? Nah. 
but probiotics are an extremely important concept. Hopefully you're all in on the values, the benefits of nourishing a healthy gut microbiome so you can flourish in life. And that's the name of Integro's product, Flourish, a unique, extremely potent living liquid probiotic. Yes, it's liquid form. How is it different from other probiotics we usually see in pills? This is the message from Integro. Microbes continue to thrive and metabolize in their own milieu. Do you like when companies use the word milieu to describe their product? I do. These include short-chain fatty acids, bioactive peptides, amino acids, enzymes, and minerals. The liquid base makes it acid-stable, so microbes can survive the stomach environment and transit to the lower GI tract for integration to give you a healthy gut microbiome. There's 11 different strains in this thing, carefully hand-cultivated in the laboratory with precision to deliver 8 billion total CFU. Why take probiotics? Come on, you have to ask. It's going to strengthen your immune function, reduce systemic inflammation, the root cause of all disease, improve digestion, promote bowel regularity, relieve gas and bloating, get you going again after illness or antibiotic use. That's me because I first got this shipment the very day I returned home from a Mexican vacation and had a stomach illness once again. What a bummer. So sad because I love going down south, but I needed to repair and return to action quickly. So I started guzzling this stuff and had had a wonderful return to health. I'm a very enthusiastic user and will be over the long run because I need all the help I can get. I don't know about you when we're talking about our routine usage of antibiotics, the stress we put on our system and in the environment every single day. I especially notice my gut health is compromised when I engage in overly intensive athletic training, have trouble recovering. My gut is the first thing to go. So this is my go-to product, the Flourish Probiotic in liquid form. Try it yourself. I love the delicious root beer float flavor. Just kidding, man. This stuff is no funny business. This is the real deal. It's very potent. It tastes fine. It goes down okay, but no root beer float flavor. Sorry. Take it. You'll love it. Go look at IntegroHealth.com for more information and to order shipped directly to your door in its unique liquid form. Flourish. Flourish. 